This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. Uh, welcome to the Blue White Breakdown, Dave. How are you? How's it going? What's new? Can you get this your mind around Bill O'Brien at Ohio State? It's kind of like a Bruce Barkill at Ohio State. <laughs> Remember that? It. Uh, I. I don't know that I. I knew that pro- Billy probably was not going to be back with the Patriots with Belichick out, but I did not connect the dots to a return, a, a return to college, a return to Penn State's backyard. But you know what? I'm sure the. The way that Ohio State's operating these days, I'm sure the money's good, and Billy needed a job. How do you think he came out of uh, Boston with this last gig? Uh, I think you mentioned to me he probably needed this job uh, because his tarnished his image might have been a little bit tarnished, even though he didn't have the quarterback. Uh, I don't I don't even remember what happened after Mac Jones. Did he get hurt, and then they had a, a succession of? Mutts in there. It wasn't really. It wasn't really that Mac got hurt. It's just that he did not take any kind of step forward. If anything, yeah. he looked as bad as he's ever looked um, at at New England. And you know, there were some stories saying it wasn't necessarily Belichick that wanted Bill, but it was the Crafts. But my thing is, what surprised me is he had worked with Mac at Alabama, and that didn't. I know. I know he didn't have Alabama's talent. But it it did not it did not help. Like he I, he could not he could not get Mac to take a step forward. I just think I can't remember. You know, even before Bill got to Penn State, he'd done some great work with the Patriots. He'd had some success at the college level. You know, as, as a as a position coach and a recruiter. You know, even at the Texans, there were some there were some bad starts. But he always kind of righted the ship. But did he have the ammo with the Patriots outside of quarterback? He didn't, but I don't I don't necessarily know that he had the ammo with the Texans. I mean, that was not a great offense. Um, but I, I just think obviously when he went to to Alabama, uh he he was able to he had, he ran into Georgia, but that was some superior firepower he was working with. I just can't remember I can't remember a Bill O'Brien season where he did not kind of make obvious progress. That 2012 Penn State team, that offense, Dave. Um, that that was not a great offense. I know their defense helped him out, but he he, he got a lot out of Matthew Coyne and Allen Robinson, Max Winnick, and that that's what surprised me about what happened at New England. Well, you can't hit all the time with when you don't have the groceries, as Parcells used to say. I was on Tim May's podcast. What does um, he think about it? I don't know. Well, he wanted to know what I thought. Yeah. And there's a lot of. There's a lot of hmm going on around uh, uh, Columbus because they don't really don't know a lot about him other than, you know, the, the, those people don't pay attention to the Houston Texans. And that's kind of ancient history anyway. What they know is his tenure with Penn State. And what I said was this. He did two amazing jobs with two completely different quarterbacks, and they never played better than they did under him. I mean, he made Matt McGloin into, what, a four-year pro? Who, who saw that coming? And then Christian Hackenberg had his best season ever as a freshman, and he regressed after O'Brien left. 
is that that's evidence that this guy knows what he's doing with quarterbacks. So now you have a situation where he's going to have to pick from three, two rookies who are terrific recruits, who I'm sure the fans in Columbus are going to want. Um, one is named Air Roland, who is a five-star recruit. I saw that Aaron. name. I'm like, you better be good. You better be good. Are you? Would you ever name your kid Air Flounders if you had a uh, if you had a son? I probably would make. I would probably give my uh, my firstborn son. I would call him. I would give him initials. I call him CL uh, for Coors Light, but I wouldn't tell anyone what it meant. CL Flounders. Yeah, that sounds like a character in like North Dallas Forty. Yeah, would have yeah. been the assistant general manager. Yeah, I think he would embrace that name too. <laughs> so, or it's going to be Will Howard. Uh, who we talked about just briefly uh, last week, the uh, transfer from Kansas State, who had a, a a pretty good career under Chris Kleeman, who is from right here where I live, Downingtown. He went to Downingtown West. Uh, my kid went to Downingtown East. I know people who know Will Howard really well. Bitter rivals. Yeah, but but all the kids are friends. You know, they know each other. Um, one of Nick's old friends played and, and knows knows the family, the Will Will Howard's family really well. I like Will Howard a lot. I do. Yeah. Also, uh Leslie Goodell, who you probably know from the old Comcast Sportsnet, when a good friend of ours, when she was in sports management uh recently, she was managing Will Howard's uh business dealings. Uh, <laughs> That's amazing. It's like six degrees of Dave Jones. You can find somebody that is connected to everyone in the sporting world within six steps. It's but I don't know the kid at all. I just know, I know all these people. Who know. But you know Leslie Goodell. And uh, everyone has nothing but great things to say about him, including rivals from Downingtown East who love the kid. And when I was peppering them all with questions, and what I really wanted to know is, is I, I asked a lot of different questions. Does he like being coached he, hard? He's that's gonna, it. That's it. How did you know? How did you know? Because that's the obvious question you would ask him. Yes. Based upon, if anyone knows about Bill O'Brien's camera, <laughs> Dave. That's what I asked. And I asked Christian Day, my, uh, my, my kid's old friend and his old battery mate, who is Joey Crawford's grandson, the, the former NFL, the NBA ref. And and he said absolutely, and so did Leslie. He said absolutely. He's all about. It just sounds like a perfect match for Bill O'Brien. He's he's got a good arm. Um, he kind of makes. He, he reminded me of what I heard was kind of like McGloin as a, a sophomore and junior that he has made lapses in judgment and his ambition for plays can get the better of him where he he tries to do too much sometimes, but that he's his all about preparation, that he's all about being he he wants to be coached hard. And you can, you know, you know OB's gonna scream at him sometimes and you just gotta take it. Dave, real quick, so for the for the under for the under 25 crowd that might be listening or watching this, like just a 60 second like breakdown of just just Bill O'Brien um, and how I, I would use the word fiery rather than angry, but he's honest about it. And we said the phrase is coach hard, but just a couple of maybe a couple of thoughts just on, on kind of how he approached things at Penn State. He demanded 
He demanded development and he got it. He didn't want you to take it personally. And it, it's really kind of a touchy technique yeah, in teaching for the current, for the current generation. Uh, you might question whether many in the current ge generation who are a little bit sensitive and, and <laughs> <laughs> might, what do we call this, Gen Z now? I don't know what generation we're on anymore. <laughs> <laughs> might not take that technique all that well. Apparently, it's also uh, not politically correct anymore, is it really? No. I mean, when we were kids, you just got screamed at. And it was it was like you you were like, yeah, I know, I know. And, you know, I had a coach who took me by the face mask and did yeah. this. Did you have Woody a guy Hayes. like that? It was Woody Hayes. Well, yeah. I mean, this guy actually worked for Woody Hayes. And <laughs> he, he was a grad assistant under Woody Hayes. And uh actually we got our play designations and i found this out in doing the the obituary on george chomp which was amazing we got our play designations which rip was any anything to the right and liz was anything to the left those were those liz was four chap i believe it was four chapman's mother those came from harry chapman who who came it came down the line to george chomp and I was calling these plays when I was 13 and had no idea that they came from George Chomp through through the Chapmans. So George Chomp, great Ohio State assistant, legendary Harrisburg area coach for Chapman, uh, coached the McDevitt 1995 uh, state championship team. One of the great offensive minds, I think, in Pennsylvania. Who knew that 40 years later I would run into this Again, Perfect six thing. degrees of Dave Jones. Uh, uh, <laughs> and, and, and those were those are the days when you just, if you screwed up, you got screamed at. And Bill Parcells even yelling at, at, L, yelling at LT, you know, as he walked by. Who would yell at LT, for God's sakes? Some guys better get their heads out of their ass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, uh... Right before a big game, I actually, when I was with the Easton Express, I covered, <laughs> in the 80s, I covered the Giants home games because it was only a 90-minute ride from Easton, PA, to um, to uh, the Meadowlands. What and year was, are we talking about? No, this would have been either 88 or 89, and, okay. and LT, uh, they, were, they had a big game at, at New Orleans, and uh, New Orleans had a, 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 an outside linebacker named Pat Swilling, who wore number 56, and it was very similar to Lawrence Taylor, but not quite there. And the story goes that one day LT showed up uh, to the Giants locker room and there was a plane ticket to New Orleans in his locker. And Parcells came up to him and said, why don't you get on a plane to New Orleans and send Swilling up here? And LT went thermonuclear and I, he literally wrecked the game. He wrecked the Saints <laughs> offense because of what Parcells did. But that is that was an angry Bill, but that was motivating Bill, and not it's not different from Bill O'Brien. Punch in the buttons, Bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Big tuna, Bill. Well, that's the coaching lineage of Bill O'Brien to bring it full circle. And either you can handle it or you can't. And a big personality, someone like Matt McGloin, who will sing about Bill O'Brien. I, I called him too, of course, to ask him. Whether he didn't even know about Will Howard, he wasn't really familiar with Will Howard, but he said, "Absolutely, the kid better be able to be coached hard 
or he's not going to survive. So I think it's an interesting situation because you've got two real G whiz recruits. I think one's a, I think the Air Roland kid's a five star. And the others a four star. Those are who the fans are going to be itching to see. And then you've got a relative mutt in Will Howard, who is a good, solid, experienced quarterback. I think that's the guy that OB is going to mind meld with, which has to happen. But who knows? You told me. Who knows? I, I wouldn't feel too bad for Will because when in doubt, he can just hand the, bu- the ball to either Quinshawn Judkins or Trevion Henderson, and all's going to be right in the world. That 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 team that Ohio State has put together, uh, and that's actually, they've almost reversed engineered it, Dave. It's not necessarily the recruiting, and it's not necessarily, it is a little bit of the transfer portal, but it's also, hey, let, let's, let's have a program in place where we can convince some really talented kids, really talented, to not go to the NFL for another year and just come back to Ohio State. That to me is that is that is playing chess when the rest of college football is playing checkers. And it's possible. I mean, you've got an NFL coach there. You've got a guy who clearly can make you a better NFL player. And you're going to get paid. You're going to get paid a lot of money these days. Uh, this is the other thing. And Timbo and I talked about it, and it's really interesting. I think it's very clear that Ryan Day is doing two things here. First of all, he's going to take a couple of step back from play calling why did that happen did you see that yeah i liked it why did that happen just go with it well the, the listeners don't know what you're talking about this ask for the friendly ghost just keep going. <laughs> because i did this it, uh, it, yes. the, see? Uh, stop it stop uh, it is uh, everyone uh, else seeing that because, because ryan day has clearly taken a couple of steps back Mm-hmm. Uh, from play calling, which he has never done. I mean, even Kevin Wilson, who is the coordinator there, didn't call plays. Ryan Day always called the plays. Mike you know certainly o- didn't call plays. Yeah, and you know OB is going <laughs> to call the plays if he's right. there. That's yeah. that's one thing. The mm-hmm. other thing is it's pretty clear to me he is trying to make them tougher, tougher on offense. I don't know what he's going to be do about defense. But at scrimmage, they're going to have to. I thought they were pretty tough on defense this year, too. I thought that yeah, was a pretty yeah. good it, it wasn't really their problem, but I don't think that they could run the ball when they needed to. Um, and you're going to have to do that with OB's system. He's going to run some 12 personnel. He is, he's not going to be unbalanced. He will be balanced. But the running game, especially with the tools they've got, the running backs and and the, the access they have to good linemen, I don't know if they're, they're offensive linemen have developed the way they should have. The kid from San Diego State never really developed, and he was supposed to be gee whiz uh, uh, portal transfer. They haven't done that. Uh, I think this is an attempt to Ryan Day to make them tougher when Michigan has out-toughed them the last three years. Uh, Ohio, uh, Penn State hasn't, but Penn State's kind of in the same valley way as Ohio State. They've kind of gone finesse, uh, tried to go finesse, and and – speed on defense and run around well it's not working against uh jim harbaugh michigan and i don't know what harbaugh is going to do with the chargers does anything happen there yet well so this is wednesday at noon he's had a second interview uh a lot of people who are reporting on this who are well sourced seem to think that the framework is in place but i don't the minute we say it's a done deal so i i think i'd be surprised if he isn't 
going to go to the Chargers, but yeah, he uh, he's well on his way. Anything could happen at the, at the last minute, but it looks good for him. Yeah, it's funny what's happened with this whole division. Uh, Harbaugh stepped. He, he was real close to leaving for the Vikings, and they wanted him out the door, as we've talked about three years ago. They A lot of the fans were sick of his stuff. He couldn't beat, oh, couldn't beat Ohio State. Um, they didn't care if he stayed or left. And he, he took a contract concession with with Ward Manuel, the the AD. I mean, who who could have believed this would happen? Well, a couple of things happened. Urban Meyer left and Mark D'Antonio left. And those were a couple of grinders who had tougher teams than he did. They did. And all of a sudden, that was a vacancy. Um, and he became the toughest team. The other thing was he he discarded Josh Gaddis as his coordinator and kind of took over with a, a guy who saw things the way he did in Sean Moore a former offensive line coach, and all of a sudden Michigan became the, the toughest team in the division without question. A toughest at scrimmage, they could win scrimmage. So now if, if Harbaugh leaves, what does that do there? I mean, you can say Sharon Moore had a great season as a, as a play caller and a coordinator, but he's probably the odds-on choice of, to replace Harbaugh. Is he the presence? Is he the charismatic strange as Harmaugh may be, man. There's no question. He is not. He's a charismatic presence. He's a leader. Can Sean Moore do that? I don't know. I I don't know. Uh, But all of a sudden, there could be a vacuum in this part of the Big Ten. Now, there's no more divisions. There's no more East. It's just a matter of who takes the mantle and runs with it. Because all of a sudden, you've got to deal with Washington under Jed Fish. And we don't know how that's going to work out. But Jed Fish is a very good coach who proved his middle at, at, at Arizona and Oregon with Dan Lanning. They're going to be tough teams. They're going to be tough. I don't think USC will be. They're going to be flashbang grenades everywhere and no defense. That ain't going to change. So, but, but there's going to be a toughness component ready to take over where Michigan was. And Penn State's going to have to deal with it. And so is Ohio State. Ohio State made a move in that direction. What'll Penn State do? I don't know. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Dave, let's close this uh, this podcast. I just had a thought. It's it's not a perfect thought, but watching the Buffalo Bills um, in the wow. playoffs, and you could go back, you go back a couple decades, but whenever they've been good, they're just not quite good enough they've lost in painstaking fashion <laughs> but does it remind you of a college program at all dave oh wow you say it go on I and think say it, it. I, I'm, they remind me a little of penn state well i thought josh allen just didn't make throws that were there to be made there, there was a touchdown throw that he underthrew into the end zone, it was there. Biggs also dropped a touchdown. Oh, I know, but both of the, both of them. But I mean, yeah. it's like you know, two years ago, they're at, they're in Kansas City. They take the lead with 13 seconds to go, and their defense can't prevent a Kansas City field goal. They lose the game in overtime. It just it just seems like they're always they always have their moments in the regular season where they look like, hey, this could be it. This this that they're they're good, and then. It's one thing or another. In the, the the Bengals obliterated them two years ago at home, Joe. Bur- but it just seems like they're just good enough to be the third or fourth 
best team in the NFL, but they always trip up. And and for one reason or another, it could have been just Josh Allen, who also I think he ran for two touchdowns in that game. I just I don't I just think that they do remind me a little of Penn State, and they will until either Buffalo gets to the big game or Penn State gets to the playoff and does some damage. They're 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 not even as good as Marv Levy Buffalo, really. I mean, he got to the Super Bowl. Salary cap versus non-salary cap. Yeah. They're it's not even that they're not even that good, and everyone's expecting him every year to be that good. Let me ask you this. As an NFL fan, and there's nobody who's a bigger NFL fan than you are. Right. Did you <laughs> You're kind of non-aligned because the Cowboys. I'm sorry, I didn't mean. I it's okay. didn't mean to. No, it's an, they're they're also they're also. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't mean I didn't mean to mention. No, no, that. I, yeah. Believe me, as a Cowboys fan, I, I Nick Horvath sent me to their last Super Bowl. I was at <laughs> I was at that game in '96 for no reason at all to watch the Cowboys and Steelers play. But yeah, go ahead. But when they're out, you're non-aligned. Uh, you're watching for enjoyment. I was talking to Nick, my son, about this, who's become a pretty big NFL fan and a Steelers fan because he lived in Pittsburgh. Who are you rooting for? Is there anyone to – are there two teams that you want to win less than the Bills and the Chiefs? I, I think the Chiefs have become the black hat of the NFL. Everyone's sick of Mahomes, sick of Andy Reid, sick of their whining, sick of them weaseling through games like this. And Nick predicted it. He said, I, I just feel like – there's a way the Chiefs are going to weasel through this game and win it somehow, and and it was. But did you even want either one of those teams to win? Could, I was rooting for like a, a six overtime tie, you know. <laughs> I think that there, I think there are a lot of people that were kind of mesmerized by the crowd, the Detroit crowd being so happy they got back to the game. And Dan Campbell, Dan Campbell is 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 every man, right? He is, he is. He, I think a lot of people can relate to him. Former Cowboy, Dave, former Cowboy. But what I would say this, I would say um, it's not exact, but the Harbaugh brothers have, um, there are some, some similarities between this Ravens team and that Wolverines team in terms of physicality, dominance, dominance at the line of scrimmage on both sides, um, depth, and that that is a determined, determined team. Um, and plus, I think that they are they are equipped to beat the Chiefs. I would be surprised if the Chiefs can es- escape this trap. Yeah, I don't think they are either. I think they're the clear choice. I didn't the think Ravens. Ravens even played their best game no. against the no. Texans. And after three quarters, they were the, the Texans were ready to tap out. They cruised that. They cruised through that. Was- a Jim a Jim Harbaugh John Harbaugh championship parlay with similar I think similar teams. Um, if you look at how the Ravens play, I know I know that Michigan didn't have Lamar Jackson, but it's a ferocious running game. They have a nondescript but very talented receiving core. They are big up front. They attack you in waves. I think I think it's right there for the taking, and I do think I think it's going to happen. And the Ravens and the Wolverines. It's not a coincidence that those two teams look like the Harbaugh's. A little bit in terms of philosophy. I, I was really asking just about that Bills Chiefs game. I mean, I you don't want you're not rooting for either team. It's completely different from Detroit. Where I, think I think people want to change. Yeah. People are tired of it, you know. And it's just, but you got to beat them. You got to beat. You got to beat the Chiefs. You got to like, respect that. The Eagles had them down ten at halftime. The Bills couldn't put them away. They they don't have really a dangerous offense. It's the Isaiah Pacheco show and and Mahomes. 
in key moments is able to make a play, and the defense is really good. It's really the opposite of an Andy Reid team that I can remember. And yet that offense played as well as they played all year. It did, it did. But they're it not was- throwing the ball. They're not getting a lot of explosive plays. He's a really good coach. And uh, I do think, though, people are just really, really tired of them. being. <laughs> I think they're tired of Patrick Mahomes' voice. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I don't want to. I don't want to upset the Swifties, but it's getting a little old. And that too, yeah, it's getting a little old. I was glad to see that Kelsey's naked brother was next to her in the stands, chugging beers, and completely <laughs> he, stole the limelight. He was the only one everyone was rooting for, as far as the Chiefs are concerned. But I would root for Jason Kelsey. Yeah, sure, everyone roots for Jason Kelsey, especially here. Uh, I just think that the entire country is going to be rooting for the Ravens and the lions and the lions. But that's, that's clear. I, I don't think the lions win in San Francisco. Do you, I think, that's uh, the end of the road. I, don't, I mean, I think that the, the, well, I mean, green Bay had them, the Packers had them beat and they couldn't, they just made too many mistakes. The lions are a tough team. Um, they play two very, very close. That's the thing about the lions is eat. They usually, they usually put up a fight even when they lose. Uh, Dan Campbell has minimized his aggressive fourth down play calling. And uh, this is a tough team. They're good at scrimmage. Um, if they can get a lead on the Niners, I think they got a shot. But if the Niners start, if the Niners start fast, it's Boy, be- Were you screaming at the TV when Dan Campbell didn't throw the red flag? <laughs> and that, how, could he, how could he miss that? How could he? That was a horrible gaffe. It could have yeah. come back to get him. It could have. It could have. But, I mean, it's also the other way. He's been too aggressive in the regular season going forward on every fourth down. So, he can't win. He's either too aggressive or not aggressive enough for you, Jones. But you're right. I know the play. Yeah, it, it should have been. He should have challenged it. I was down. I wonder what the mechanics are. in, in These NFL organizations have guys for everything. How can there not be somebody in the booth looking at that replay up in the Lions booth and saying, red flag, red flag, throw it, throw it. How can that not happen? I don't Maybe get they it. did and he didn't throw it anyway because he didn't he just didn't he didn't feel it. But I, I I'm with you. I thought it was pretty clear cut and they came the, the guy on the network came right in and said, Yeah, that, that guy was down. It should it should have been challenged. Yeah, that was Gene Steratore and uh, Tony Romo, right? Yeah. Uh, no, that was they were on the AFC pot. This you're talking about the NFC game. This was the Tampa game, right? Yeah, it was Olson, Greg Olson, and uh, yeah, whoever whoever yeah. their guy is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Might have been Dean Blandino. Dean Blandino. I'm Uh-oh. sorry. Uh oh. Somebody's hungry. Somebody's hungry. <laughs> no, he's not hungry. He's just bored. He's just bored. He, he it's bad weather, and I have some play ball. It's going to be 60 on Friday. I hope you take him on a long walk. I know, but it's going to be muddy. But I will. <laughs> but. but I got him a new squeaker football, and he thinks that's great. So he wants to play in the living room with the squeaker football. It's like it's about this. to go down in Downingtown. Yeah. I like yeah, it. Yeah. All right, Dave, I'll let you go. You and Kaiser have a good play date. Uh, we'll talk about the uh, the playoffs next week. Hopefully, hopefully there'll be some news on Harbaugh. And uh, who you never know what's going to happen. So let's just let's just let's enjoy. No, he, could, he could he could be bargaining with this. He could be taking the Chargers offer back to Ward Manuel and. <laughs> Hey, how about this? How about hey, this? Did you remember when I took a pay cut? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one time I took a pay cut. Well, look how look what they're going to pay me. I'd like to have that back with a few tens of millions. Yeah. Yes. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. <laughs> Can you imagine having that kind of leverage with your employer? Yeah. 
here's here's what we're gonna do. Yeah. He's gonna rub his nose in it one way or the other before he leaves. And then he might say, "Nah, I don't think I'll, I think yeah, I'm gonna you know go what? to Los Angeles." Yeah. yeah, I'm glad you I'm glad you made all those concessions, but I'm gonna I'm gonna leave yeah. anyway. Yeah, I think I'll go to LA. I like the weather there better. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Dave. I'll see you next week. All right. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live.